Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am a middle school choir teacher. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode two. Thank you so much for all of the positivity and feedback from last week's podcast. It was really nerve-wracking but exciting to release my first episode with my friend Elise, and I hope that if you've listened to it, you were able to learn something and get a teaching tip or two from that episode. One logistical thing I wanted to bring up before we get into today's episode is I still don't have a plan as to how frequently I'm going to be releasing these episodes for sure don't plan on an episode next week. After that, (laughs) we'll see. I, I may be coming out with them every other week, but if there's no consistency for the next few months, my apologies. With that said, today's episode, I am so excited for you to hear. I interview my friend Natasha and She has quite the journey in education. So no matter what level you teach, what your content area is, I think you will really gain some knowledge from her. And she has a really exciting announcement in the world of agriculture curriculum that she will share with us in the episode. You'll get to hear about what she teaches, what her philosophy is, and at the end, we share a story about just how welcoming she was to me my first year in my first job. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode, and without further ado, my friend Natasha. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Natasha. I've known Natasha for five years now. Let's get started with a little bit about you. Can you share your educational history, where you went to school, and what other professional jobs you've had leading up to where you are today? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, I am from uh, Eastern Wisconsin originally, and uh, went to a private liberal arts college in Illinois called Knox College. And um, I ended up there uh, because I wanted something different and was going to challenge me. And uh, while I was there, I thought maybe I would end up in international relations. But then I fell in love and decided I wanted to stay put in the Midwest. And uh, so I, I, I majored in education and modern languages. So I went to college to be a German and Spanish teacher. And then when, uh, when we finished, when I finished college, I, I decided, well, I, I had traveled a little bit in high school and we had, we had several exchange students from around the world and I had friends over in Norway and uh, they, 
and our Norwegian family had kind of said, why don't you come spend some time in Norway? Um, which really was appealing to me because my husband wanted to be a farmer and I, at the age of 20, was not ready to settle down on a farm just yet. So, so we did. In uh, 2009, we packed up everything and moved to Norway for three years where I taught preschool, uh, which was a really transformative experience. Never thought I'd be a preschool teacher. Uh, I loved teaching preschool, especially in Norway. It was very... Uh, very outdoor oriented. We were the kids went outside every day. We had uh, creative clothing uh, adventures with that, and yeah, keeping the kids uh, learning and and stimulated. And Norway's very fo focused on social emotional at the young age rather than um, academic skills. So that was a big adjustment for me. But once I saw the light, I realized that it's really the right thing to do. So that was a great experience. And then uh, when we came back to the US in 2012, I was hired as a Spanish teacher teaching grades two through eight at a Catholic school in Wisconsin. You know, having taught preschool and having student taught in high school, uh, teaching everything in between was, you know, obviously the right next step. So we, so I taught, pre I taught uh, Spanish as like a specials teacher in that elementary and middle school environment. And I learned a lot there. Uh, well, I stayed there for just, for just two years because um, the position, they had told me it was gonna grow to full time and it didn't, so I, I, I needed something full time. And I had started in my second year while I was there, I started adjuncting at the local technical college as an adult ELL teacher. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So I was teaching night classes to uh, adult English learners most of whom were Spanish speaking, so my Spanish skills came in handy. Um, I did that for two years, probably my favorite placement with that. I should say I was familiar with teaching adults because my, in college my work study job was a TA for GED at the community college in that town. So uh, adult ed was not new to me and I do really enjoy adult ed. So coming back to adult ed to teach ELL was a lot of fun. One of my favorite things that I did in that job was I was placed, uh, I did a workplace ELL uh, uh, thing where I taught English at our state's largest dairy farm. And uh, so I got to work with dairy workers on a daily, on a twice weekly basis. Um, got to watch cows be milked while I was teaching English and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and so then I thought I was gonna be full time on the farm and I, I, so I was teaching I was adjuncting part-time and then I was on the farm the rest of the time and then I I realized I missed the k-12 classroom I was at the farmers market selling them the meat that my husband and I raise on our farm we sell grass-fed beef and pastured pork and I and and grass-fed lamb and a, a teacher from the local community who I knew had taught French had told me that she was quitting that school and uh, I was like, oh, well then maybe I want to be a French teacher, and um, which I don't speak very good French, but I figured I could learn it fast enough to be able to do it. I mean, I, I can usually pick up any language I need to, because I am fluent in Spanish, German, and Norwegian, and can read a few others. So I decided to, um, to yeah, to go into, to, to apply for that job, and, uh, but I had to go online. I had to go online to apply, and while I was online, I noticed that a neighboring district was in need of an agriculture and science teacher, and um, it definitely wasn't that, but I thought teaching about farming 
sounded really fun because I had left teaching Spanish partially to be able to devote more of my efforts to the farm. And so combining my love of both of those sounded really fun. So I applied for both the French job and the agriculture job and I got the ag job first. So that was, that was it. So I've now been there at that. I've been teaching high school agriculture in East Central Wisconsin for six years. And I teach science classes as well, science credit. Ag. I teach general science classes, ag classes, science credit ag classes, and college credit ag classes. And I have teaching licenses. I also really enjoy taking tests. Um, and so I've added as many teaching licenses as I feel like. So I added teaching licenses um, in uh, multiple science, social studies, and English subjects. Yeah. What a whirlwind. <laughs> um, what, at what point did you and your husband decide to leave Nor like what made you decide to leave Norway to come back? Um, for my, it was really, my husband wanted to be close to his family. That was, that was the, I mean, we knew the farm was here waiting for us. I, I probably, I would have been happy staying but my husband um, really missed his family and he doesn't learn the language as well as I do, so. And what were the biggest differences or similarities between teaching over in Norway versus the US? I mean, the Norwegian system is so much more focused in the lower levels on social emotional skills. Um, one thing that I really remember was that when we came, oh, and, 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 and um, uh, kinetic skills. Um, so, I mean, I would take my three-year-olds on, you know, 5K cross-country ski trips at least once a week. Every kid had skis. We would go, we would go hiking multiple times a week. But otherwise, they were just focused on, on play. And, and that was really all, all that mattered. The, the preschool, the first grade teachers, so their preschool is essentially the same thing as daycare. And it goes from ages of nine months to uh, age six, and then when they're six going into seven, they enter, pre they enter first grade. Uh, so the first grade teachers, all they asked of us was that the kids could write their name uh, and count to 20 and know their colors. That was really all they cared about. You know, if they had some good letter recognition, that was great. But otherwise the social emotional skills were more important. And when I came back to the States and I started teaching in an elementary school here, that one thing I remember was being at recess duty and having the fourth graders that I was supervising in the US have worse social problem solving skills than the four-year-olds I had taught in Norway. And the, just the fights that would happen. I was like, why are we fighting about this? You're old enough to have figured this out. That was, a, that was an adjustment because we just don't have the same emphasis. And then in the higher levels in high school in Norway, they're a tiered system, they're a track system, so you don't finish, you don't all get a high school diploma. They put you in an apprenticeship if you're not college bound which I have thoughts about, but that's, uh, I, I prefer the American system. The, the Norwegian system has some merit, but it, I've also seen it backfire for a lot of people because if you decide later in life that the thing you committed to at the age of 16 isn't what you want to do, the way to go back on it is, is difficult and costly. 
All right. Well then, moving on. So we can kind of tie these next couple of questions together, but what's going well for you in teaching right now? And maybe um, if you want to tell the audience, like in the midst of this lovely pandemic, um, what does teaching look like for you right now? Um, and then teaching tips. So each of us will give one tip for the listeners to try. What's a teaching tip, something that's worked well for you in your classroom environment and for your own self-care right now? Uh, yeah, we are teaching in a hybrid model right now. So I see the first half of the alphabet on Mondays and Thursdays and the second half of the alphabet on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then on Wednesdays, we work with virt fully virtual kids or kids who need extra attention, intervention, um, and it's also when we get our, a lot of our planning time done because there's just not as much, because we're, we're working so hard to make the most of the time we do have with the kids because we only see each group twice a week. Uh, there's less time for work time and planning and that kind of thing when we have the kids in front of us. And I'm loving it. I want to do this forever. I um, I'm using a flipped model right now, and I have always loved flipped teaching since the moment I understood what it was. When I taught Spanish, I actually developed a flipped for mastery uh, classroom for, for middle school Spanish, and where I recorded whiteboard videos in my house, and the kids watched them, and then I had quizzes, and it was a self-guided thing, but I would spend class time conferencing with the kids, and they would work, and and it was allowed for differentiation based on the kids who really wanted to learn Spanish and those who were just needed, just had to take the class for the purpose of taking the class. So I've always wanted to get back to teaching flipped, which uh, agriculture is a very different type of course than Spanish where it's not as conceptual, it's more contextual. And so figuring out how to get back to that has always been a challenge for me. But this year I haven't really had a choice and I love it. And I don't, I really want, the kids when they're with me to be present, but then when they're at home, I'm less concerned about that. I know, I know how stressful this is for us and I know how stressful it is for them. And I don't want them to have to worry about sitting on a Zoom with me uh, when they're at home as much. You know, some of our teachers require it and if that works for them, that's fine, but that's not something I'm as interested in just because I know how easy it is to become disengaged and how much less likely they are to get the content when they're at home. And I'm, I've always tried to focus on the whole person with my students and realize that they need, they need me to watch out for their self-care um, right now. So that's, so I'm teaching mostly on a flipped model of, you know, if there is homework, it's something like an ed puzzle um, or what, you know, watching a video, taking notes, that kind of thing. So I really like it. I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun right now and so if, if you have the ability to flip your classroom do it it's pretty liberating um and the kids notice it and the kids have been very grateful for it um but in general a teaching tip i'm really and is i mean it's a tip but it's also like my philosophy so um i am really focused on the kids owning their own learning and performing for themselves rather than for me. And so I don't do much grading. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't put things in the grade book. That's something I've learned I had to articulate with people um, <laughs> because there was some confusion on that. But um, 
I put a lot of things in the grade book because I realized that teenagers, uh, especially, um, you know, especially students who are not, you know, a lot of my students are not four-year college-bound students. And so um, a lot of my students, uh, you know, and, and teenagers in general, but especially those, some of those students who, who are not going to be your, you know, super high-motivated learners, they need the extrinsic motivation of something going in the gradebook. And so I put things in the gradebook, but the vast majority of things that go in my gradebook are completion grades. Did you do it? Did you not do it? Did you do it to your potential, you know? And so building those relationships to kids to know what their potential is and know what they're capable of, and then take the load off yourself and don't, don't take stuff home to grade it. Just ask, ask the kids, did you do it? You know, sometimes, most of the time it's, you know, I, we, they work on stuff in their notebooks for a couple weeks. I, I almost never hand a hand out papers and have them turn them in because I will lose them. I'm not organized enough to handle that. Um, I know myself. <laughs> um, so they work in their notebooks. I use interactive notebooks, which is also a lifesaver. If you're not doing that, learn it. Um, and then every couple weeks, we do a notebook check day and they show me their notebooks. And then if they have it done, they have it done. And if they don't, then they have to make it up and they know what they have to make up. And, but it's not about whether or not they had the right or wrong answer because it's agriculture. It's, it's, there's, there's not right or wrong answers for a lot of what I teach. It's all on a gradient. So I don't, I don't, I don't spend a lot of energy focused on the minutia of what they got right and wrong. It's more about, are they, are they on, are they on the path? Protect yourself. I love that. Yeah, that's kind of teaching and self-care wrapped into one. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> it's, it's who I am. It's always how I've had to be. So yeah. I want to say one other thing that's really going well for me right now, something I'm really proud of, is I am writing a curriculum. Um, <laughs> I'm currently writing in a, a curriculum for the agriculture classroom uh, that's focused on a <clears throat> more truthful, less whitewashed vision of agriculture and uh, Ameri the American agricultural story and break busting a lot of the myths we tell ourselves about our agriculture. That's, uh, I'm, yeah, hoping to have a, have kind of a plan of where it's gonna be published um, in some relatively informal, but somewhat formal format so that other teachers can use it. So um, yeah, that's my, and I've implemented it in the classroom this year and it's gone surprisingly well. So I'm pretty proud of it. That's amazing. Yeah, we're going to have to, like, when you get it finished, we'll have to bring you back, and you can talk all about it. We could do a whole episode on that. I'm sure we could do a whole series on it. Um, that's, that's amazing, especially here in Wisconsin. We need the truth, and we, need, we just need more information, you know, yeah. that's because it's a, it's a huge part of our, of our state. So that's so cool. I can't believe you're doing that. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Um, and just going back to your flipped classroom um, topic as well, I was just reading about a flipped classroom today, actually, and I've heard that term a bunch, but I never really understood what it was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why have we not been doing this before this pandemic? So I totally hear you with your like, I'm actually loving the hybrid model because you get to utilize that. I mean, it'd be 
great if we could see the kids every day, but just rethinking how, like after this is over or whatever the, whatever education looks like once this has calmed down a bit, I think revisiting that flipped classroom right. idea and it's just, it's a really cool method that I'm going to look into more because it's cool. So. Yeah. Awesome. Um, my tips for this week. So teaching wise, I started using Flipgrid. Um, so we are fully virtual at my school and teaching choir online has been a treat. So just trying to figure out how to engage students better and differentiate my instruction to meet all of their needs. Flipgrid is a cool app that you can use to have students record themselves. And it can be their video, it can be their audio, both obviously. And instead of having the students write something and submit it, they can just talk to you through this app. So that's been really helpful. I'm starting to dive into having them sing on the app, but I just wanted to get them comfortable talking on it first. So answer, answering some really simple questions, just talking about themselves. Um, and then hopefully soon we will we'll start feeling comfortable singing. So Flipgrid, if you don't know what it is, there's a ton of tutorials on YouTube. Look it up, but it's been really helpful to me. And then self-care wise, knock on wood, this weather here in Wisconsin at the end of November has been remarkable for the most part. And as much as I don't love going outside after a long day of working, um, when I come home from work and can just go for a nice long walk and just breathe in fresh air. It's, it's really been good for my mental state. Okay, Natasha, it is time for the timed test. Are you ready? Yes, hopefully my dogs cooperate. I was gonna say, more importantly, is your dog ready? Uh, there are two and they, they will, we'll see how they handle it. All right, okay. well, it's only a minute, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I was young, I loved those third grade multiplication time tests. Same, same. Okay. We are freaks of nature, it's amazing. So you're gonna love this. Um, oh yeah, you like tests, so this is totally for you. Okay, um, so we're gonna flip the deck and have a teacher time test. You'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna start my timer. Yeah. Here we go. Favorite month of the school year? September. School lunch, always, sometimes, never? Never. Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Sleep. Teacher's lounge, always, sometimes, never? Rarely. First name of a student that had a huge impact on you? Bree. Going into school on the weekends, always, sometimes, never? Never. A teacher that inspired you as a child? Nelson. Teaching summer school, always, sometimes, never? Ag teachers have to. A teacher that inspires you today? Tiny when I walk in. Awesome. And that brings us to our time, which you had four seconds to spare. Okay. So good job. See, you are a good test taker. You know, you just get it. Moving on to our next topic. 
What advice do you have to someone entering their first years of teaching and their last years of teaching? First years of teaching. Uh, go easy on yourself. Don't think you have to do it all. Find ways to be efficient. Yeah, don't believe that you're, don't feel guilty. Like self-care in those first years is super important. You know, usually we're young when we're at that stage. And so we have the energy to just spend all of our time on school, but it's not necessarily healthy. Um, and ask your elders for how they have developed to be efficient. Okay, that's, that's really a find efficiency. So that's the number one thing. That's amazing. And what about, would that be the same for someone entering their last years or do you have additional advice? Never stop learning and striving. And, you know, even in those, those last years, don't, you know, keep, keep pushing. You've probably, you know, if you get to that point, you've probably seen a lot of changes and, uh, you know, some good, some bad. So then take, take the best and, uh, do what you can to be at the forefront of what teachers should should look like. Okay, I can't believe we're already here. We're on to our final question. My last question for you is, what are you currently listening to, watching, and reading? Okay, so uh, reading for me, I, I, am a, I am an avid reader, but I, I'm getting older and thus reading means I fall asleep. So I don't physically read anymore. I have done, I'm, I do do audiobooks though. So I just did a road trip to buy pigs in Illinois and I uh, consumed two books on the trip. And um, I am a sucker for YA dystopian fiction. It's candy to me. So uh, one of my favorite author within that area is Marie Lu. And if you are like, if you like YA dystopia, um, you haven't read Marie Lu's stuff, I highly recommend it. I love, and she also does fantasy. So I like all of her stuff. So I read two Marie Lu books while I was on my trip. Listening, I also do podcasts. Um, mostly, uh, mostly crooked media, like Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, uh, but also, um, Amanda Seals, if you're, if you, if you are a, um, empowered woman who is not listening to Amanda Seals, you're missing out. So, uh, Amanda Seals, Small Doses is amazing. And then watching, I mean, I just finished The Crown, but, um, like the ones I actually, the things I actually look forward to every week are currently uh, Star Trek Discovery, His Dark Materials, and The Mandalorian. So, Baby Yoda! So Baby cute. Yoda, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty into just sci-fi and stuff, um, and I'm not, I'm not revisiting any of my old friends at the moment, so it's, yeah. That's it. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, do you have anything else you want to add? No, other than that you're amazing and you're a great teacher and I'm so happy we got to do this, you know. You're amazing. My little sister Z. Big sister P. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I was going to add this in the intro that I'll record later, but for yeah. those of you who, I mean, 
probably most of you don't know this story, but um, when I started at my first job, Natasha was one of the first people to actually come up and talk to me, which is like such a concept. And we, I was in the cafeteria running a study hall and she came up to me like every day and just befriended me and we talked about musical theater and all of these other random things. She was the first person to take me to an Indian restaurant and that's where I fell in love with Indian cuisine. Forever grateful for you because you really welcomed me with open arms and I'll forever be grateful for that. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Natasha, for joining me today. It is always so good to catch up with you, and you are doing amazing things. Your students love you. I cannot wait to see that curriculum that you're writing and coming out with. And this was so much fun. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. Send me an email and let me know what you thought of today's episode, if you tried any of our teaching tips, and how they worked for you and your students at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, teacher friends, take a deep breath, relationships matter, and never stop being authentically you.